everyone, welcome to this episode of Across the Bifrost. This is the Mighty Thor podcast, and each and every week on the show, guys, we do the same thing. We talk about Marvel's Mighty Thor, and today we are we are hot, fresh off of our Jason Aaron anniversary special. So we figured the best way to do that would be to talk about more Jason Aaron Thor. It's kind of the thing we've been doing this year. We're doing our Jason Aaron retrospective. And today we're talking about the storyline, The Lords of Midgard. And for this awesome collection of comics, I have brought in a first time guest that I am so super stoked about. Katie Pride from Books with Pictures is here and we're going to talk Thor comics. Katie, let's talk Thor comics. <laughs> I'm too excited. I cut you off. I no, I understand. I I do that on other people's shows too. Where like I'll just start in, and they're like, we we don't even know who you are yet. <laughs> like we have a bit here, man. Yeah, Slow down. We have no. a song and dance we've got to do. Uh, <laughs> Katie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that we're finally doing this. Uh, I I just wanted people to kind of start out, get to know you a little bit, and. What uh, what is with your comic book store? You you have a, an awesome store uh, called Books with Pictures that I've only heard about. I've never actually been there. I can't wait for my pilgrimage. Um, but yeah, tell us a little about yourself and your and your store. Yeah, so Books with Pictures is a comic book store in Portland, Oregon, and then we have a sister store that's in Eugene, Oregon, which is like three hours south of here. Um, and. Uh, Books with Pictures is celebrating its sixth anniversary this month. Um, thank you. Awesome. Um, and really focus on being an inclusive space. We really want to be a place where people can come and buy their first comic or that brings people back to comics after they've been awesome. sort of out of the game for a while. We really focus on being an inclusive space for LGBTQ communities and um people of color and folks with disabilities. We're a very woman-friendly shop. We're a very kid-friendly shop. Um, and we're also a very uh, bound book heavy shop. So I just oh, ran awesome. these numbers uh, and 70% of our overall revenue comes from bound book products. So from trades and graphic novels. Oh, awesome. So it's in a lot of ways, it's a specialty bookstore that only sells comics like <laughs> that only sells sequential art and also there's a magazine section uh, okay. but the majority of what we sell is bound product at this point so kind of the reversal of what my someone might think of like a, a more traditional or run-of-the-mill store store would look like where you've got walls of single issues and big you know back issue bins and then like a little itty bitty like graphic novel right. section it is the reverse of that so awesome i find that that's uh one it means that we can focus on a lot of the sort of um the well the kids content clearly where the middle grade and the young adult is very book product heavy in fact yeah. i would argue that the single issues for kids market is really struggling right now. There's just not a ton of good product mm. there. IDW is like holding on with that My Little Pony and Transformers franchise. And other than that, like- <laughs> They do try. It's rough shape. Well, they lost Star Wars. They lost Marvel. Like it's bad. Uh, so that's two, that's two heavy hitters right there. <laughs> <laughs> but there's ponies, so it's okay. Yes. Um, and, you know, Boom puts out some good stuff. Uh, Oni puts out a, a handful of good things for kids. But that kid's single issue space is, is rough right now. We do have a solid, very traditional single issue section. Uh, you can definitely pick up uh, the latest Batman or what have you. 
And uh, if you're, we have, I think our strongest single issue readers base is definitely the X-Men crowd. Uh, me among okay. them very loyal to the current uh Krakoan era of x-men in a right there's so way. much going on there oh my goodness it's my favorite <laughs> it's, i mean uh, we just finished up hellfire gala a, a while back uh-huh, was, uh-huh. oh my goodness the art alone for hellfire gala was like it was it was like literally watching the met gala but with superheroes so pretty all i want <laughs> all, all i want is those outfits but some of them were terrible but then you can be catty and mean about them and that is just I, as fun I, that's that's half of what watching a fashion show is like just be like oh that's amazing and i would be caught dead in that <laughs> Um, yeah so and then there's also a large like literary graphic novel section where you've got your fanographics and you're drawn in quarterly and sort of the smaller presses as well and a huge zine section too so lots of self-published stuff um so pretty much the full gamut so i i've told katie this uh just like off the recording that uh this like when i hear other people other hosts of podcasts or uh, your your friend Douglas Wolk talk about you know uh, books with pictures as as a store, it quite literally sounds like the store that I wanted when I was a kid because I didn't grow up in a nerdy family where we had long boxes full of comics from God knows when. Uh, I I was one of those was kind of I was scared to go into comic book stores, and now I'm like oh man that would be such a great place to step in and buy my first comic my second comic my third you know and it's also as a dad like i have a four and a five-year-old and right now like all my daughter can talk about is squirrel girl and all she wants is squirrel girl i i I taught her the phrase uh, eating nuts and kicking butts the other day she loved it and i'm like i'm like she needs a place like books with pictures and i wish we had a place like that around here that just means we're gonna have to take a trip out to portland Um, yeah which sounds fun it, anyway. It's um, funny. I We put the kids section sort of in the mission statement. And it's, I mean, I have kids. My kids are now uh, 10 and 12, which means that they were the age of your kids when I opened the store. Fabulous. And so you can't not have a kid section at that point. But it's also because part of my sort of purpose was to create a women-friendly space. Yeah. And women are disproportionately carers of children. It was like, yeah. okay, you have a really engaging kid section so that I can take mom over here and sell her bitch planet. Like that's that's the <laughs> right? agenda. That's the real scheme. <laughs> um, and then also to create that pipeline of like now I have people who came in and bought their first comic from me when they were 12 and they're 18 and they have their own job and I get their wow. money. Um, and, and their lifelong adoration, but also they buy comics from me, which is important in a yes. job sort of way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> job security is like, you got to be there to be influential. Uh, but, um, so I, I, before we jump into our story with, you know, our latest, you know, part of our Jason Aaron retrospective and jumping back into Jane's story. Um, I kind of just wanted to introduce people to like you as not not a comic book seller but as a reader like what was what was katie pride reading when she got into <laughs> comics how did she get into comics sure um so i was i lived in a town that had no good comic shop just none just there was the the comic shop that there was was one of the sort of grimy spaces that was next door to the head shop and like kids did not go in there yeah um and it was it was not in a nice part of town and like my town was small anyway it was just not a thing it was just not a thing 
for children. So I didn't have that like friendly neighborhood comic shop idyllic childhood that we like pretend that comics fans as adults had, but I did not have that. Um, But I had uh, like garage sale and rummage sale comics. There were some like Ray Bradbury adaptations that I was into. Uh, that I was collecting when I could find them. And then um, I worked in a traditional bookstore in high school in an independent bookstore as a clerk, as a bookseller. And it was right when DC Vertigo was starting to figure out trades. So, okay. uh, so like Watchmen was on the shelf and, oh, wow. um, and that's actually uh, when I started reading Sandman. I started reading Sandman just about when it finished um, because my okay. mom had the trades. And what's funny is that I've, I've told this story enough times at this point in a sort of origin story sort of way that she's heard me tell it. And she's like, I don't think I had Sandman. I'm like, no, you definitely did. She's like, well, I didn't read it. So I don't know where they came from, but they were in my mother's uh, smut drawer uh, okay. With pornography. Um, okay. <laughs> and they were not pornography. Uh, they were Sandman. And so I got very into those, uh, went straight from there to Transmetropolitan, uh, and was very much a sort of like dark, broody science fiction, uh, goth, like that space for comics. Okay. I was like, Vertigo is great. And um, oh, and then I found Small Favors, uh, which is porn. Um, and okay. is uh, Colleen Coover <laughs> and Paul Tobin, who have since become friends uh, of like they're Portlanders and they're friends of mine. But Colleen okay. through it was for long pauses. I can't remember the name of the press. That's totally fine. For a porn press that did, it's like who was doing bondage fairies and like you could only get it by mail order in the late 90s, early aughts. Uh, so I was getting single issues of this lesbian smut comic book in the mail from Colleen. It's actually, uh, for your very diligent research readers, it's where my first letter was ever printed in a comic. Was in. Oh, so you have a letter <laughs> to the editor story? Uh-huh, awesome. uh-huh. It's filthy. And, okay. Uh, one of those one of those not safe for work letters not no I mean it wasn't quite dear penthouse I never thought it would happen to me but like kind of Um, and uh yeah and then uh kind of fell away from comics did a lot of other nerd shit like did a lot of role-playing did a lot of uh SCA like uh dressing up in costumes and fighting with swords that sort of of course um and then when I was in graduate school, which was for the history of science, my supervisor was really into comics and really into comics as teaching tools. And so when I was a TA for him, we started doing a lot of, hey, what can we teach with superhero comics? Okay. Because we were doing a sort of history of science and society. And okay. especially... 60s 70s marvel comics are really great for talking about science and anxiety um so for real how do we feel about radioactivity and nuclear testing how do we feel about genetic engineering how all of these things show up in superhero origins or supervillain origins yeah yeah Um, and so we did a lot of he used a lot of those in his course content and that was like my transition from I only like comics if they're dark and adult to like okay I can read superhero comics and have fun with them yeah yeah um, 
yeah and then I really came to be like a serious Marvel reader around the all new all different era so not far from the stuff we're reading here awesome um and same here actually sort of became a serious comics reader through my 30s and I just turned 40 <laughs> Well, breeze right past that. Um, (laughs) But and then you you open up books with pictures and it's, uh, you know, I'm assuming, you know, now that you're literally you took a love of comics and then it's now your job. um, Do you still have like books that like you just every month, like you get excited about reading when when they come into the store? I absolutely do. Um, Saga, now that it is back, is a, I will stop shelving and read the single issue, like, before I go back to shelving. I am busy. Uh, I I just need a minute. Um, uh, Sex Criminals was that when it was coming out. Sex Criminals was a book that I read very diligently every every month, um, except for during its very long breaks. And, uh, and then the, the X-Men, I read every X book right now, the night before it comes out, whether it's good or not, oh. like I've got a stack of X books sitting downstairs for me that I'm going to read when I get off the phone with you. You know what, then like, I, I almost feel bad keeping you, but I, I have, <laughs> I actually have an X, an X story. Cause yeah. I am not an X-Men reader. Like I, I watched the X-Men TV show, but then like, other than that, I just was never an X-Books reader and I'm a, but I'm a big fan of the writer, Tom Taylor. I, I, Tom Taylor writes it. I read it. And I had never gone back and read any of his older stuff. And when I found out that he wrote all new Wolverine and I love Laura Kinney, like X-23 is awesome i started reading uh i was sunday morning i was just like oh i'm just gonna read a fun book i'm gonna read a tom taylor book usually when i'm in that mood where i'm gonna read something fun i'm either gonna read tom taylor jason aaron or donny cates like i'm gonna rotate between the 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 three the the godfathers of my of my comic fandom and i read all new wolverine i was like that was really good so i got through the first trade the second trade the third trade, the fourth trade. By the end of Monday, I had read all five of the, fir- the first five trades. And I was like, well, I think I like X-Men now. Um, and I know that's not like quintessential X-Men. I know that's not like, you know, one of the epic storylines, but I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, I get you know, it. The snickety family drama that's there, the not just yeah. Laura, but Laura and Gabby and Jonathan and- Jonathan the that- Wolverine. Jonathan, the actual Wolverine, who is a Wolverine. Wolverine. Uh, and I, I'm probably going to, you know what? I'm probably going to go read uh, the next one. I'm at Orphans of X right now. So I think I'm going to go read that right after this. But that's, you will love it. Can I make a recommendation, though? Abso- I feel like you're the person that can you make a recommendation. You should add some Kelly Thompson into that rotation. Oh. Because if you like Tom Taylor's dialogue, you will love Kelly Thompson's dialogue. So I read a little bit of Kelly Thompson here and there. What would you recommend I read first? probably the rogan gambit mini that'll give you a little bit more x stuff okay yeah rogan gambit (laughs) mini kelly thompson uh kelly thompson great great recommendation um she's like one of like the badasses in comics right now um so yes yes uh she feels like like she's always doing something like for for like whoever no matter what company uh do you know any of her creator own stuff does she have creator own stuff uh right now she is doing creator own stuff on substack 
Um, oh, so she's okay. part of that sort of wave of folks. And specifically, there is a, a subsect book she's doing with Meredith McLaren. Uh, okay. Who's an artist who I love, who has not done nearly as much work as I wish she had. Um, but uh, let's see, there's an older Kelly Thompson book that got re-released last year called Heart Shaped Box that I bet you can find. Um, that is, it's just a little romantic comedy, uh, but it's pretty delightful. That's a creator owned from her. Okay. I'm so I'm excited. I'm excited to get any recommendations from people like, <laughs> I, but I, normally I take recommendations with like a grain of salt, but like literally it's your job to recommend <laughs> good books to people. So I'm like, well, what, what, what who the hell else would I ask? Yeah. Um, but so Kelly Thompson aside, X books aside, we're here to jump into Jane Foster's latest adventure. We are in Mighty Thor. We left off with the fabulous Mackenzie Lee at uh, issues, issue five when last we met for the retrospective. So today we're going to talk about issues six through 12 and the trade that I am taking these, these organizations of numbers from uh is uh, accor according to our guest today is at, not a thing anymore so it's a I'm, I'm doing an archaic style um and uh there's a few little there's a few arcs in here we're mostly going to focus on the middle arc there is a two issue arc that uh katie and i were not overly jazzed about um so we're going to kind of do that one real quickly and then we're going to talk about the lords of midgard story which is issues eight through eleven and then there's an epilogue style um little single issue about the um the origin of mjolnir so um katie are you ready to jump into some jason aaron comics so ready fantastic okay so when last we left Jane, uh, she is kind of, she's dealt with the current threat of the moment, which is Odin, and Loki and all the Asgardians were fighting off Kull, uh, the serpent, um, you know, just a, just a, a run-of-the-mill Asgardian scumbag. And uh, he has become regent now because Odin is too busy taking care of Freya, who was stabbed by Loki. Are you with me? still listeners so this um, cliffhanger of freya has been stabbed right laying on the ground let's go away for like four issues yeah like let's let's leave that let's, leave that you know just, we'll just walk away from that the all mother is dying no big fine. deal <laughs> and, and, and then we're jumped into this two issue little story where um Good grief. Um, so issues six and seven are a very like stark departure from what is happening in the main story. Cause this, these really don't focus on Jane at all. They actually focus more on Odinson um, as a story about Thor Odinson as, as told through Loki, who is telling Dario Egger, the Minotaur, a story again, are you with me? Um, and in this story, Dario kind of decides like Malekith has his monsters. And at some point we're, we're probably going to fight. Like something's probably going to happen. I'll need my monsters. And Loki says, okay, well I can give you monsters. And then over the next two issues, six and seven, we get this story of a Viking war chief who found the power through another version of Loki to 
confront Thor and try to defeat Thor. He basically turns into a Viking version of the Hulk. And um, and he and Thor fight. And then at the end of issue seven, we have this, you know, like, okay, cool. Thanks for the monsters. I, so one, I want to say it's, it's drawn by Rafa Garris, uh, yeah. the, the flashback section. Also not my favorite, very sort of chunky. It's, yeah. it's painted, but it doesn't, I wanted it to feel more like old Viking and it doesn't, I think that's what it's trying to do, but it doesn't. Yeah work for me there is a formal thing that i just noticed that is nice okay which is that at the end so the story is agar wants monsters loki says let me tell you this one time when i made somebody else a monster then we have two full issues dedicated to hey did you know if you drink dragon's blood you turn into a hulk but at the end of that the thing that fighting and being really beaten up by this Hulk monster makes Thor go and do is practice lifting his hammer. Yeah, that's important. Which he's not good at yet, which he's still struggling with. He's yep. still working to be worthy, but he can do it higher than last time yes. after this fight. And what's nice in a formal way is that, as you mentioned, the last story in this arc is a history of the hammer yes and so there's some nice bookend like if you've got to have three filler issues out of a seven issue arc yeah I, I, you gotta have it, you gotta have it you know <laughs> um i i do i do think with this one um and like i said we won't we won't stick around here too long um I did find the art style almost confusing at times because I didn't really know how to follow the action because it, it didn't feel, um, it wasn't like, oh, this is clearly in the foreground. So this is where your focus should be drawn. It was very, um, it almost felt swirling. Like yeah. I was, it was like a confusing painting. And I, I remember, so I remember when I first encountered the, the great Esad Rivix art. And I had only been used to like very cartoony comics. And I was like, I don't know if I like this. And and what I have come to know now is that I was dead wrong about Esad Ribic when I first saw his comments, like like gorgeous, like almost Renaissance painting kind of style. And that, but that style took me time to get used to. So now, whenever I encounter an art style that I'm like, I don't know if I like, I don't know if I really like this. Also, I don't really know if I understand this. Um, I, I I had that kind of memory reading this this flashback art i was like i i i just don't understand what's happening i don't understand the motion i don't understand the flow that doesn't make it wrong um i just am like may, maybe i need to reread this maybe look at it a little more carefully but it did not initially like when you go from russell dodderman for five straight issues to this you're like well that's a bit of a difference uh, his I, daughter. I, I always have this moment of like, well, I bet he made the deadlines. You know, I bet he just stuck the landing on yep. getting these things in on time. Yep, and and that's why he got the job. Like, you know, it. But but Dodderman actually comes back in the last three, uh, three or four uh, pages of 
uh, issue seven where they cut back to current day and loki has you know uh, loki and agar are in present day fighting a dragon so they can get the dragon blood and i love how russell dodderman draws dragons like more more russell dodderman drawing dragons please um like he just does a great job and they uh, we actually do see the first uh maybe not first but we see an early glimpse of what we would eventually know as the the prehistoric avengers the uh the analogs of these you know these heroes that we're used to but just in different ways and i love you know that the the payoff of these prehistoric million bc avengers is actually going to happen this summer right with with aaron's uh avengers uh million bc and i'm like i am so stoked for that there comic. they are he planted the seed right here in this kind of crappy comic and it's- uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be there for you. Well, I mean, which is the Marvel way, right? Like yeah, right. A, good, a good bit of IP will not die. We will just keep bringing it up again uh, until it until it works. Yeah. Um, I do. The other thing that really irritated me in these two issues is that there is a, a repeated uh, theme of sort of women as the spoils of war. Um, there's a lot of even when it's not in the text, there's a lot of images of women being terrorized and women being specifically like carried away uh, by awful Vikings. Um, and I feel like particularly in the middle of the Jane story, it is so discordant to be like, look, yeah. it's a scantily clad Viking girl being carried away because she is the war pillaging. Um, it, 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 it really hit a wrong note with me. It, it, it like, it took it took you out of the run like and kind of the, the foundation that like they were laying with jane like as because jane is not that right like in any way shape or form even like Roz is not like that freya is not like that no the and little... is uninterested in the premise of it right yeah. and I, do, I appreciate that the that the the person who brings thor back at the end of this story by praying to him is also a woman um, yeah. but like, that's the most agency we get in a story that is otherwise <laughs> just a lot of women being like picked up and carried away over shoulders. Well, w- well, once we get to issue eight, <laughs> which we're going to do right now, um, we, we jump back into, uh, the, the, the story, the tale that Aaron is weaving with Jane and Jane, I love these first few establishing pages with Jane because we just came off like a big fight with Odin and, and she's, she's been doing that. And oftentimes in superhero comics, the thing we don't see them doing is like normal, like helping humanity stuff, right? Like normal, just assisting people or assisting at this point, assisting whales. She does so much just like humanitarian stuff here. Like she breaks it down this way. She says on, on Wednesday, I dug a hole or I dug a well, which um, uh, she's in like a desert area. And it, it's, we're supposed to believe that like, maybe she's like curing a drought or something like that by digging a, a well. Thursday, she made falling stars. I were meant to believe she stopped an asteroid from hitting the earth or, or something like that. Friday, I went fishing with a friend. Uh, she's holding some, someone as they touch a whale. Well, specifically, she is holding a cancer patient as they okay. touch Okay. 
Uh, you know right? what? He's holding a bald woman in hospital clothing. Because you know we're we know where we know where Jane Foster is at right now, and that makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on Sunday, she made sure that it didn't rain on her funeral. So um, that's Gloria, who in the previous panel is touching a whale for the very first and last time. Yes. And then passes. So this is Jane is spending her time in the cancer ward, watching people die. And 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 then uh, then over the weekend, she didn't she didn't neglect having a little fun. Uh, she she drank like a Viking, and, and she's she in a military tent. Yeah, which is interesting to me um, that she's just like, oh, super welcomed there. Right. It's good. <laughs> The, the whole world is trying to find out her identity and she's just like you know what where you know where i'm probably safest where there's You're a chill in a barracks yeah yep. <laughs> uh and then uh cool little uh scene where she says she fought like a viking and she's she's stopping a bank heist and there's all these bullets just like ricocheting off of her uh i really did love that one and this one is really great she says she raged like a viking and it's the vote for loki rally the loki for president rally from the vote for loki miniseries christopher hastings miniseries which was running concurrent to this for you know four issues oh i mean it's so good and she's there just kind of like scowling in the in the rain um but yeah she she's she's doing all these different things but she's still on tuesdays she says she still has to go back for her chemo treatments so we kind of get this really cool like week in the life look at her and i loved those pages so much because then there's also this there's this rainbow bridge colored, um, like, um, it, it almost looks like dust. It's like, you know, s- sweeping and weaving through these three pages. Um, beautiful first three pages. Um, I really, really enjoyed them. Um, and that we, we find that Jane is stopped by the two uh, the jerkiest uh, shield agents and they get their comeuppance, which is really great uh, at the end of this, but they want to question her because they think she is Thor and they're going to take her off to the helicarrier to, to question her. So um, and I've got to resist my, my, my wants to go page by page here, Katie, because that's like, that's going to be the death of us here. Um, but the rest of this issue takes place uh, in a Swedish uh, bank vault where the higher ups, the, the CEO, uh, you know, richest people in the world, the people who call the shots, they're all, uh, they're trying to solve a problem. And the problem is not Thor. The problem is Dario Agar because Dario has made a deal with Malekith that if Dario helps Malekith take over um, all the realms that Dario basically gets all the resources and all these other rich people are like, no, no, we don't care about the realms. We just care that you're not sharing. Right. We would like to mine, log, and pillage these other worlds that you have opened portals to. How dare? Yeah, right. Like, we're offended that you didn't share, uh, Dario. And then, uh, and I, I, gosh, I'm going to butcher her name. Obelette? Obliette. Obliette. Obliette Midas shows up uh, from... probably most people would know her from original sin is there something that i'm missing maybe she so, was yeah in? so before that she's a grant morrison baby um oh, okay. and she showed up in um uh nope my brain is not coming up with it um she but yes she's a grant morrison creation uh she showed up oh in um 
Nova. Okay. I want to say. Um, and uh, she had been brainwashed by her evil father and then was rescued slash ran away from him. Um, okay. Among other things, uh, brainwashed to believe that she was horribly disfigured and had to wear a mask all the time, even though she is in fact not. And we see her in this like, like all like suit like yeah she, it's, it's yes it's she's got a cape but it, it, it was almost like a cape you would like wear to the opera <laughs> and she's got like gold bullets in her gun um she's she's a i'll put it this way when she walks into a scene it's really hard not to notice her because everything about her stands out well, and in her previous like in previous ways of drawing her um, especially around the mask, there were like seams and you could see the flesh of her eyes in the way that you can when someone is wearing a real mask. Okay. Um, but in her drawing here, she is just a flat, or not even flat, shiny black face. Yeah. Um, with lips and the whites of her eyes. And it's a very unnerving it, um, presentation. I, I really, it irritates me. <laughs> irritates you in like a a good way or a bad way it's i don't like i find her annoying i i find that like i don't know in that way that i had to really give it time to come around on the way emma frost presents in the world it's a lot oh, okay. of very similar like irritation with the objective oh, okay. comics and the way that they're being played on this particular character um her her code name is the exterminatrix that's um, like she's a very specifically S and M like bondage themed villain, yeah. it, um, it. and it's just and I really I was like feeling annoyed at it, and I went to dig it up, and I was like, of course it's Grant, of course, of course it's got to be leather, Grant, you know, <laughs> um, because you know he dressed all of the X Men in leather. I'm sorry, they dressed all of the X Men in leather, and also. Uh, created the exterminatrix so that's that's fine yeah there's there's definitely a a a risque like femme fatale you know uh vibe here and she's teamed up with uh my favorite character from the arc uh, shingen harada who is uh who is they call the silver samurai junior <laughs> he is like he's the one that stands up to dario in this meeting and he's like because Dario says like oh you want you want what I've got come and take it and Shingen's like okay cool like let's do this and uh and he he, he whips out like essentially let's call it what it is it's a lightsaber he, he he has a he has a samurai sword uh and uh they go to fight and uh Obliette is the one that is teamed up with him so she takes out Dario and they kidnap Dario and that starts this this rush towards an event that we're going to be that Jane's going to get wrapped up in called the agar imperative. And that is the, uh, the big, the doomsday kind of situation that she's got to figure a way out with the help of Jason Aaron's stalwart character, Roz Solomon. I am a, I'm not going to lie. I am a fan of Roz and I love how, like how, uh, she doesn't back down from anything and she has an a specific irritation with dario agar she like 
if 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 Jane's like if if Thor's arch enemy is Loki, then Roz's arch enemy is Dario. She's like she was introduced all the way back in the early God of Thunder issues, and we're meant to believe for a long time that she might be the new Thor, and now she's kind of helping Jane figure out this situation with her arch nemesis Dario Agar, the Minotaur. So here's the thing that I hadn't noticed until this read through because uh, probably because I just finished watching WandaVision for the third time. Um, a third that, time. Wow. That, you know, um, my kids wanted to watch it and they hadn't watched it yet. So we had I had to watch it again. Great series. Very, very. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, but Roz, all of her speech patterns in this are perfect Darcy Lewis. Oh, really? Like if I like I was hearing it in that actress's voice, like it feels so much like that sort of snide, very smart, like I can totally hear Kat Dennings. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I had never um, put that together. Cool. And I feel like since we don't get Roz in the MCU, like she's doing Darcy Lewis is doing kind of some of that like cool with Jane likes Thor yes. like just filling in some of that space so oh well, now I'm not gonna be able to un unhear it right? uh, oh man that's such a fun that's such a fun catch thank you for giving me that gift totally um, works. <laughs> so at the beginning of issue nine we uh I'm gonna do some I'm gonna I'm gonna actually follow through on what I've said where I'm just gonna give you the give you the the highlights we we come on in on a scene where Loki is apologetic about stabbing uh, Freya as Odin is kind of giving her enough power to kind of get her. Uh, it's it's like um, Asgardian god life support. Um, there's this bit you know like um like a good grief I'm, a blood tube. I'm, that's not the right word to say. Um, Give her a transfusion. Transfusion, right? Names. I was about to use the word siphon. <laughs> so glad it is. To get it started and then. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so meanwhile, Jane is uh, in, they're in the Arctic and they're looking for this station that's supposedly um, supposed to be the, the, uh, the, the hot, the hot spot where they're going to try and start this agar imperative. And she's trying to get there before uh, Shingen can. Well, Shingen gets there first and they kind of wreck shop. Jane and the Silver Samurai have this fantastic fight that I definitely will be reading a few speech bubbles from. And then we end the the issue with um, Obliette has Dario in a plane flying above and she is uh, going to take out some, some shield... Uh, uh fighter jets i think uh helicopters and um they have this big fight in the sky there's this almost like mission impossible style fight in the middle of the sky and um we know that uh, uh rocks on island because of the agar imperative rocks on island is now above new york city and the only person that can stop the agar imperative is dario himself so that's kind of our big, um, our big like lead off is that Dario is the only one that can stop this and Jane has to go save Dario. Well, and at the end of this issue, we reveal what the, what the, Dar what the Agar initiative is, yes. which is that the flying island will crash into New York City, thus destroying the flying island 
and New York City because yes. if Agar can't have Wall Street, no one else can either. Such a oh, such a scumbag. <laughs> Um, we do have in this one, one of my very favorite panels, actually, even before the flying fight, is the bit where they're like cruising along in this car and then Jane rips the roof off of it and it kind of turns into goo and like the fluidity of the roof that Jane yes. has just busted out of is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It... Um, and then... I don't know what it reminds me of, but it's just like, for some, it feels so familiar. I don't know why. <laughs> well, for that one time when you were flying along in a flying car and then the roof right. busted out, that is what it looks like. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> but we also get lots in this fight scene of the amazing Russell Dodderman sound effects, which I'm yes. sure you're talking about Dodderman long enough to have gotten excited about by now, but they are my favorite thing in this run. He, he does such a great job of... Like there's sometimes where I'll be even like reading a panel. I'm like, oh, that's a cool, that's a cool design. Oh, wait, those are letters. Dang those it. Go for it again. Yeah. Um, yep. There's this one that's Casa Flum, which is just a heck of a sound effect altogether. Um and and it's and it's in the style of lightning coming out from the hammer. It's so I I wanna I wanted to hit some of this dialogue because it's legitimately my favorite. It my favorite thing about this arc uh so <laughs> jane and and shingen start to fight and <sighs> shingen goes into his his self-promotion we'll put it that way he's, uh jane says i have him he he's armored he's wielding a sword a sword yeah chances are it's and then shingen finishes the thing for the silver samurai <laughs> tell whomever you're talking to uh, that it's the that the silver samurai is kicking your ass and then jane comes back with my ass doth disagree uh, phenomenal uh, shingen says <laughs> but then he, he gets her right back he says not for long sailor moon great and they keep fighting and shingen explains who he is to jane says you're new at this uh right i'm guessing you've never fought iron man yet well <laughs> in one of these You've never fought Iron Man yet in one of these civil wars you people are always having. I'm like Iron Man. If Iron Man was cool and knew karate and carried a badass sword. That Shingen knows who he is. exactly, And I love that little jab in there about civil wars that the heroes always love to have. I mean, he's kind of right. Um, but yeah, there is... Um, there's just a great fight scene between these two. And I, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, if anyone, uh, if anyone needs, uh, needs to know my favorite part, that's it. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And they're, they're fighting, they're fighting in this station as it's slowly like filling with water. So there's water mixed with lightning mixed with the, the airstream of Mjolnir as it's flying around and, Dodderman just like layers all of these things together to create a very dynamic like it, it looks it looks like it's straight out of like an action movie um he's he's just drawing with this energy and this flow and i really really i really enjoy his art period the layout on this page is so gorgeous with the three panels and then the pointy panel and then the one panel at the bottom but there's also he's doing this interesting stuff with like how much background is in the panels yeah like the top center panel has got some like ice cave stuff 
but then as you go down by the time you get to the bottom they're just on they're just silhouetted they're just on nothing like yeah so that the so that the postures and the the fighting movement words uh really stands out uh, yeah and and then one of the last panels of their fight is a few pages later where the top the top main like background panel is Jane throwing the hammer and the hammer's coming at you as the reader. And then it, it almost looks like broken shards of glass as panels. Um, and they're just falling down the, down the, the page. And you, the last panel is kind of the like, okay, fight's over. And Roz gets in a great line where she says, you're under arrest, Power Ranger. And I want you to hear that in Kat Deming's voice. I ju- yep you know what it's oh it's unmistakable um then in, when we get to the end we have that you know that final big shot of rocks on island um over new york city and we we know the problem now we're, we're fully aware of what's going to happen if jane can't if jane and Roz can't save the day so we move on to issue 10 and the so I won't lie, the cover of issue 10 bothered me because it, it's it's a cool kind of, uh, it's a cool image of Jane being surrounded by shield personnel and they're all, they've all got like weapons drawn on her. So we already kind of know what's happening. Well, and it's this dreadful B plot, right? Yeah. Like it's this B plot of agents, uh, Krill and I, I, I don't even i don't even remember what their names i've were. forgotten it already this is the only place up here it's not like they're deep cuts they're just they're new um that's fine Kr- krill and crawl or whatever it is <laughs> and they sound uh, like ninja turtle villains <laughs> but they actually like they went to see cull and like searched her room like this is all the b plot in the last issue yeah. is, that they're, is that they're closing in on jane to do whatever it is shield does to superheroes which i'm not sure what that is either but yeah it's very it's left very vague um and then but on the cover there's this there's this speech bubble on the cover that it feels so out of place it looks like a judge dread cover honestly um, okay like that kind of word bubble feels very judge dread to me I mean, it was just—it was weird. I, I almost was wondering if I had like gotten a bad, uh, like a, a bad version of the cover because I've seen the textless version of this cover, and the textless version looks like a cover that, like, I would be like, "Oh, okay, what's happening there?" I mean, um, Jane can focus. Her hair is flying around in that Thor way. She looks amazing. I mean, um, st- stunning. This is also uh, so an interesting thing is this era, this uh, sort of 2015, 2016, we were still getting a ton of guns on comics covers. Okay. Look at comics covers now, unless it is a story that is about a gun and almost universally across uh, Marvel, unless it's like actually Deadpool, there are no guns on comics covers. Even with Uh, like Punisher? Punisher sometimes has a gun, but he used to always have a gun and there's actually no currently oh gosh no it is back i was gonna say yeah. there's no currently running punisher title but it's back with the new logo um but yeah with the new forward. oh the new logo that ruined punisher he'll oh no he'll be fine he'll survive yeah a b- um good grief <laughs> uh but uh yeah i feel like there was probably not even editorial fiat but like across a whole bunch of different publishers a whole lot 
out of guns stopped appearing on comics covers. When I see them now, I'm like, oh, that's that moment. Um, oh, yeah, it, it like stands, it. it's not commonplace mm -hmm. um, anymore. It's very like, it's even jarring to see it at this point, would you say? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, just, I remember at the time, um, I mean, I guess it was, it was in a moment where mass shootings were going from being frequent but still shocking to just all the time um yeah. and and i remember feeling very aware of like here i am putting these books up every week and they are so full of guns yeah um and i feel like there's actually been a deliberate stepping back in a lot of the books from quite so much like casual use of guns use of guns when it's not the plot that there's guns i feel like has yeah come yeah um which is interesting to me okay definitely something to to look at next time i i go and and buy a comic in person i'll yeah. i'll take a, an extra glance at the the new comics rack oh but um, then we go into the spectacular alfheim scene oh katie you might not know um uh sir honeyshot is one of my absolute favorite supporting characters he's so good he is the shit so like <laughs> he doesn't need a gun no he has custard donuts he he is literally torturing a dark elf by the use of ants these these sugar eating ants that um uh, that are trying to crawl inside of him to uh to make him talk basically uh and honeyshot will have none of it um, he's going to get the League of Realms band back together. So speaking of what a superstar Russell Dodderman is, the sugar forest trees at the top of that left side of that, uh, the top of the first panel where the dark elf is staked out. And yeah. then there's these trees above him that are like covering their tree yes. faces in horror. Yes, it's great so good and, and and that's all we see of ivory that's all we see of him until, until the next arc he'll be back yeah, in the next arc it, like it's three issues and then we see him again but yeah. he's gonna get screwbeard and the rest of the league of the realms back together the gang back together oh man i just picture i picture the song the boys are back in town <laughs> when when he's like we're getting the league of realms back together um, yeah, speaking of not needing a gun you can get the work done with sugar ants and a custard donut i ivory i feel like that's a much more creative way to solve your problem um so Did you ever read i hate fairyland i know i have a young series this is very much that vibe where everyone is in the sort of candy coated ridiculously sweet world and horrible horrible things are happening i do so like scotty like young that, <laughs> i'll have to check that out um we 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 come back to rocks on island and as it's floating above new york city and um dario and silver samurai and obelette are they're they're getting into the um the they're trying to get into the vault 
so that they can get all of Dario's, you know, all of his, you know, money, money, money. And uh, this is also where Jane and Roz are trying to get to Dario to save him so that he can stop the agar imperative. So he can stop the island from falling out of the sky. There's a great scene with um, the mindless ones who are kind of ovalettes. Um, they're her, like flunkies. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 there. Um, they're big rock golem creatures with like Cyclops visor eyes. Mo- most people would probably know them from Doctor Strange comics, um, and uh, her their connection with her, I believe, comes from Original Sin, where mm-hmm. um, they're they're again they're they're there they're doing stuff um but they fight uh the mindless ones fight these group of roxon berserkers who which is a callback to issue six and seven where dario was through loki given the ability to turn people into you know these monsters um that's not could have been a two-page flashback Yep, yep. It it could have been, but it wasn't. Um, but but yeah, we 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 see a fight. It's it's fine. It's not really consequential because uh, we quickly move on to. Wait no, wait no. We do have the payoff of Roxon's strongest company there is, says the Berserker. Roxon smash. Moving on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like Roxon smash. I was like. Oh, Jason. <laughs> oh, Jason. Um, but we move, we do move on to Roz trying to stop them uh, from getting to the vault so that um, they basically they won't kill Dario because without Dario, the imperative happens and there's nothing they can do to stop it. Um, Jane shows up like, like a hurricane of lightning um, and she, she deals with the shield agents that are, you know, from the cover she she um i love that panel on page uh, the panels on page 15 where she just starts like a, a lightning storm and then she just um she just leaves she just walks away and all the agents are like shoot the hammer shoot the hammer it's like guys you've been working around thor for decades come on when was that ever gonna work um but then uh, Roz in the middle of her standoff with uh, the villains, right as uh, Dario, who has turned into the Minotaur at this point, uh, about time, uh, he is about to take out uh, Obelette and then Jane shows up and she kind of, er- all, everything stops for a second, but uh, Jane catches a bullet shot by Obelette to, that's aimed at the Minotaur and she catches it and for the briefest second thinks she's all right but then the bullet starts to turn her hand gold and we find out that uh it's 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 irradiated with midas's blood or something because comics uh-huh. um and <laughs> it when all else when, <laughs> when all else fails either say wackiness ensues or you can say because comics and it, you don't have to explain the rest of the page. Um, and they're like, we need to get her to a doctor. We need to get her to a doctor. And right as the agents are like, wait, Thor's Jane Foster. Wouldn't you know, the last page, Jane Foster walks through a portal to go help Thor. What? Wait till next month, true believers. <laughs> it's a great cliffhanger. Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. 
Like, cause even, even me, like it's been a few years since I had reread these for the retrospective and I had forgotten. I was like, Oh, what, how do they get out of this? And when Jane walks through the portal, I'm like, okay, I, I'm still confused, <laughs> but it's a great, it's a great little, um, great little plot device. Um, and it's a beautiful panel. It's, it's Jane in her, like, we really get to see a full panel of how yes. emaciated she is. I mean, she's told us she weighs 90 pounds, but you feel her weighing 90 pounds coming out of that twinkly rainbow dust, rainbow bridge portal. Um, as Jane, as Jane, as Thor lies on the ground in front of her being yeah. slowly turned into gold. It, and the ne- the next issue, the cover of the next issue is awesome. So awesome. Because it, it really, it, it takes that image from the last page of the, of the previous issue and it puts it right on the cover. And it's Jane, it's Jane and Thor charge, like charging into a, a battle side by side. And you're just like, okay, we are in for a great comic here. And I do want to say, like, for some reason it jumps out of me on this color is that we've been talking about Russell Dodderman, um, who is spectacular, but we haven't mentioned Matt Wilson, who is our colorist on this. Stud. So much of the work that is making these pages just glow is the way that Matt Wilson does light, uh, the way that he does lightning, the way that he does water, the way that he does this sort of dynamic movement. Right. Um, His work with like translucency in color he is spectacularly talented and i love him he kind of like he's like the colorist version of like a mad scientist he just like he's like what what can we play with what toys do i have and i just i he he makes the comic feel brilliant and vibrant Mm -hmm. and i really really yeah i really appreciate him really anybody on this creative team can come on the show anytime they want and talk um if if russell dodderman matt wilson joe sabino heck letterers letterers are people too i feel Uh, like it would be really fun to talk to joe sabino i feel like there's a lot of really interesting lettering going on here and in particular when the sound effects are lettered not drawn Yes. I feel like Sabino does some really nice work echoing the way that Dodderman draws the sound effects in the text representations of the yes. sound effects. Um, like it's very, you know, letter letterers will say that they're only doing their jobs when you can't tell they're there. But I do feel like there's some very artful lettering in, in yeah. this book. Yeah. And so the if we if we haven't said it enough, the creative team on these books just superstars and they're all they're all playing their part to bring about a fabulous comic and this is where the lords of midgard story ends and we see jane come into the situation where she's supposed to be helping thor meanwhile the shield agents show up and they ruin everything and they they start trying to take out the villains Roz is trying to get them to stop but they won't and Roz actually has a standoff with the Minotaur before the uh, the island kind of goes all cattywampus. Um, and uh, there's a lot going on. I, that's what I noticed. Like in these kind of these these climactic issues of storylines, there's always a lot going on in the first half of the last issue, and then about halfway through, it's like, and now we're still again. But there's just so much going on here, and they're all trying to stop the agar imperative. We come 
to the climactic point where Jane flies off Thor. Wait, sorry, hold on. Let me let me redo this one. Thor flies off as Jane. Yeah, old. I mean, she's not yes. looking good. And Jane, Jane is able to fix her. And we Jane is talking in a weird way um, where she doesn't she doesn't know what she's doing. And, you know, she keeps saying, like, Thor, Thor, you're the doctor. Like, tell me what to do. Kind of help me out here. And they they Thor finds a way through Jane to cure herself of this um, Midas touch kind of effect that's having kind of its way with with most of her body. And then they're able to kind of divert the Midas touch thing back into the island, though, like what so the whole rocks on island turns to gold and jane has got to stop the rocks on island from falling before it crushes the city and the page where she stops it is so cool because it's this <laughs> full page of her kind of holding back the the bottom of the island while it's crushing like the needle of a tall skyscraper uh yeah of the Empire State Building, right? Okay, I couldn't just I couldn't figure out if it was that or the Chrysler Building. Maybe. Uh, but That's now fair. that I, it's a very tall building in New York, <laughs> but any of our New Yorker listeners can be like, "Oh, come on, morons! It's clearly this." <laughs> I'm not them though. Um, but yeah, uh, like you can you can hear the action of the action oh, yeah. moment, right, where she catches it and it goes just down, just I, enough to dent the radio antenna on top of the building. No, um, no big sound effect. Just that small little creak. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, and, uh, and then she takes it to space. Of course, you know where. Where do you take all golden islands? You throw them into the sun. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and then she hang just, out with the sentinels. She <laughs> she's she's floating there in space. I loved this this image talking about how you know the art and the colors are all just playing together so well there she is just floating in space staring at the hammer well and again the action 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 calm yes yes um so it's this full page beat of calmness and we we come to the kind of the reveal where Roz is asking like okay um yeah what what's going on here and Jane decides she's going to show Roz who she truly is. And there's kind of this, this fake out where the, the hammer that Jane turns back into the hammer. So the Jane that we, we were seeing was actually the power of the hammer being used to appear as Jane. Well, which gets revealed, right? We have a yes. moment where she says it took a tremendous amount of power to make today happen. I didn't know, I don't know that we could do it again, not without a century or so of rest. If this is how you wish the day to end, then so be it, Thor. Truth be told, I would expect no less of you. Your heart is stronger than even your thunder, my lady. That's what makes you worthy. That's why I chose you. Mm. And then she turns into the hammer, but specifically the side of the hammer that has the inscription that says, whosoever holds this hammer, if she be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Whew, that's a good and one. this is where this is where Jane realizes that this Jane was Mjolnir. Neither like yeah, nobody Ross knew. Know, but Jane didn't know. 
yeah, Milner kind of took it upon itself to solve to help solve the problem that they were that they were having in that moment um, on rocks on island as it was falling, and then then Jane, you know, Jane as Thor, she has this moment of 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 clarity and honesty with Roz. Where Roz, Roz says, holy crap and cow. And Jane says, now do you see the truth, Agent Solomon? The truth is that Jane, that Jane Foster is secretly Thor's hammer. No, no, Roz. Um, oh, God, don't tell me you're a hammer, too. As Jane is starting to, Jane is kind of shedding the Thor guys. Jane, Jane Foster is not a hammer. Jane Foster is Thor, is me. I mean, Jane, but I'm also, Ross says, okay, I got it. Everybody, everybody, please stop changing into other things for, for a second. So she can finally wrap her head around this. Um, and they have a, an awesome conversation that like, I feel is just so indicative of the two characters at this point. And, and really at this point with just the title of Thor, <laughs> because uh Roz you know earlier on in Jason Aaron's run Roz had this uh sort of kind of romantic relationship with Thor Jane has had relationships with Thor and she's been kept in the dark before and she didn't want Roz to be one of those people that was kept in the dark well and the very nice double meaning here too is that the title of this issue is Thor's best friend and in that moment of transition you feel like oh Thor's best friend is the hammer and then you turn the page and it's like, oh, Thor's best friend is Roz. Um, and it's a it's a nice turn. Yeah, it's I, I love that their that their relationship is being built. Um, and, and I don't know that it's it's just it's a good example of two women who are desperately fighting battles that every so often you just need somebody to help you. Like yeah. you need someone to stand with you. Um, and I love, I loved that, that last page, that moment that they share together as the, as the hammer's floating there. And then Jane goes to touch the, touch the, uh, the hammer. And uh, I, I don't know if I can get the full sound effect here. <laughs> Cr- crack it. Oh, good grief. Oh, Russell. Crude doom. Crude doom. Yeah, I think it's crude doom. I, I we both had to like cr- like crack our necks. And no, like... man. I mean, I've got it on paper, but still, I'm also noticing the last thing that Jane said to Mjolnir was actually in the middle of the previous issue, um, and she says, "Hold oh. them off, Mjolnir. I'll call you when I need you," and oh. she throws it, and that's when it starts getting shot at, and then we don't see it again until Jane shows up. Right, right. So. Yeah. This is the, this is it. She gave it autonomy. She said, "Hold them off." This is it, holding them off. <laughs> right, um, and then and we see at the bottom of the page, Roz is confused, and she's like, "Where did everybody go?" And then it, we see that our last issue that we're going to talk about tonight is issue twelve, the untold origin of Mjolnir. I remember this was actually a like stop shelving and read the issue issue for me. Like okay. when this came out, I remember seeing the cover. It was also. This is a funny, I'm a big nerd. I feel you should know this by now. Um, But it was right around the time that the Doctor's Wife episode came out uh, on Doctor Hmm. Who. Okay. In which the TARDIS is 
personified and has like a tender moment with the doctor. Um, like the TARDIS has a moment to say like, I let you steal me because I wanted to get off that planet as badly as you do. And we are each other's best friend, lover, spouse. Wow. And then turns back into a big blue box. Um, and it's, it's Neil Gaiman wrote that episode. Um, and I remember when this issue came out, I was like, oh, it's going to be the doctor's wife, but for the hammer. And it totally <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, so, well, okay. The, you, had, you had said before we even started that like there was one really great filler issue in, the, in this. this collection. Would you like to give the rundown of this one? So, sure. So this issue, um, it's, we, we catch right up in that moment where Jane has disappeared from being in conversation with Roz and Mjolnir has dragged her into space and then blasts her through a wall into a very large uh, dramatic looking library with magical books and scrolls and things on the shelf and a very cross librarian. Um, I love him what is this place and he replies if you have to ask that dear you probably should not be here and then we pan out and we see the whole space that we're in which is called omnipotence city the nexus of all the gods and it's very pretty just a shiny example of urban planning just like the gods would build if they a had shiny a, example of urban planning if they had a, a death star surrounded by um I don't know. There's kind of a Kryptonian vibe. There's a floating river. I don't know. It looks rad. There's a the waterfall. ring from Halo. I don't know. <laughs> Something like, it's it's very big, very grand. It's all the sci-fi cities sort of mashed together. It's oh, very that's crazy. so great. <laughs> um, and uh, she says, "I don't know why I'm here. The hammer brought me here." And then he tells her a story and we switch into another artist. He says the the thing he's and it, there's a nice sort of throwback retcon setup here where he says yes. people tell the stories about the Urdu and they tell the stories about the dwarves. But the thing they always leave out is the storm. And so that sets up. Here's the things you reader of Marvel Comics for 60 years already know about the hammer and here's what we're introducing we're introducing the storm which is the idea that there was this world storm uh raging in the cosmos um that eventually thor um that like attacked planets that's actually very like i don't know star trek discovery there's this like entity of a storm in the universe and it roams around and you know it's coming because the space sharks swim away from it um jason aaron and the sharks jack kirby can just live forever in the form of a space shark um (laughs) and uh so we get this beautiful like vertical panels page of this storm in space i mean the art on this is terrific yes Um, very not dodderman it's very painterly it's very impressionistic but it's you can actually tell what's going on and it leads the eye like a comic yes unlike those other two i could not Um, agree more so it's very pretty and the storm comes for asgard and odin traps the storm in this piece of urdu which the dwarves had given him and he didn't know what to do with And then he takes it back to them and asks them to forge it. And this, what really struck me about this part is that it's a very violent set of imagery that the dwarves stoke their fires for days until it's melting the very mountain that they're- Oh my, 
forges are in and it's insufficient to forge this metal. And so they harness a star and drag it into their furnaces until the mountaintops are oozing lava. And then some say dozens, some say hundreds, both estimates are conservative. Thousands of dwarves work together to hit this hammer in this blazing star-fueled furnace for 17 days. And what we get at the end is Mjolnir forged out of Urdu with a world storm trapped inside it. And then Odin goes to use it and it lifts him off the ground and carries him on a beautiful, and you see the sort of very Dotterman-esque path of yeah, poor yeah, Odin being yeah. dragged through Asgard as the, as the hammer takes him and blasts through whatever it feels like blasting through. Odin is very angry and puts the hammer in the storeroom, in the weapons room, where we have seen it before because we saw this scene yeah. already in Journey into Mystery. Yep. Right, we Kieran Gillen wrote this scene, and now we flash back to this scene of baby Odin wanting to pick up, or baby Thor wanting to pick up the hammer. Yes, and he ends by saying, Of course, father, I'll never touch it again. And of course, we know he does. Back in issue seven, we saw him lifted a little higher after yes. being beaten, and then that's the end of our story time. We go back to Dodderman art again. And Jane says, oh, so the hammer is alive. The librarian very grouchily says, no storm could survive that long trapped in in Uru. Um, And she says, but it spoke to me. It chose me. What did it choose me for? What am I supposed to do? And then the hammer takes her away again. Through a different hole. Through a different hole. (laughs) (laughs) Poor librarian. And then the librarian says that, all tales about gods begin the same and I'm afraid they end the same as well they end in death and destruction and war so much war and we see a book called the war of the realms and that was you know in the previous arc we ended or we ended the we started the story with the elves falling from the sky etched with thus begins the war of the realms yes and here we see the already written and bound book called the war of the realms um, next to the Book of the Mangog and the Battle of Honeywine Falls. Um, There's and a, a book called Ragnarok. Yeah, so, <laughs> lots, lots of tales of Asgard that have been told before and will and be, told, be again. told again. Yep. And um, so this is, we're, we're leading up to the War of the Realms event. And I love the sort of seed laying that goes into it. I mean, really, if you go back to if you go back to Aaron's first introduction of Malekith all the way back in God of Thunder, he has been laying the seeds for War of the Realms for years. Yep. And when War of the Realms hits, like you, it's not just like, oh, well, it's Marvel's event for the year. And, you know, we came out of no, no, Jason Aaron was weaving this tapestry all the way back you know, the first few, the first year of his run on Thor, he had started it with Malekith and Malekith is like being built up to this like universe wide threat. And I love this where one thing I've heard from, and and I'm almost positive you'll balk at this. Um, When I've heard, you know, uh, 
from, from some people in the comic book reading community is like, oh, there's no long-term storytelling. I'm like, then what are you reading? Yeah. What are you reading? Um, because Jason Aaron, it took years for him to lay the foundation of this. Um, no, anything Hickman touches is definitely, you know, big spinning. Dottie Cates is, I, I mean. King in black. <laughs> like, I, I, will, I will sing the praises of his Venom and the King in Black event, like till the cows come home. Not like, to mention that one time when Kelly Thompson had Gwenpool give Jeff the land shark to Deadpool to be his pet because Gwenpool knew that her series was being canceled and she didn't want Jeff the land park to land shark to die a narrative death and Deadpool will always have a book and so if Jeff is his pet he'll live forever perfect it's perfect <laughs> like even uh even like how um how uh how Donny Cates went back and he uh he did a very creative a uh, little bit of continuity twisting where Null is actually the god that fell from the sky when Gore was was having his crisis moment. And yes. the thing he picks up all black is actually the Necrosword from Null. Like, come on, come on. It's, it's you know, beautiful. I, I that love was that. One of my favorite questions that I asked Jason Aaron last week was that question. I was like, when Donnie did that, but did he like come to you? He's like, he's like, He's like, yeah, he came to me and was like, hey, I want to do this with, I want to do this with Null. And he's like, cool. It's like, <laughs> can you imagine? Like, I wrote something for eight years. Someone's like, ooh, can I, can I take that little moment? And I'm like, sure, whatever. What it's here for? What it's here so, for? But I love this. You know, the, the the seeds are being planted. The seeds are being, um, you know, uh, being watered and taken care of to get us to war of the realms and war of the realms is still at this point a year and a half away yeah yeah it is so this was actually I, i'm going to tell you one of my like how i knew i wanted to be a comics retailer moments go right ahead was actually it's a thor story so i was at emerald city comic-con and i was by one of the like giant t-shirt booths and there was a it was the first one i'd seen actually commercially in the world it was probably 20 it's 2015 like this is brand new um and there was a jane foster thor t-shirt on the rack um and i was sort of standing looking at it like i need to buy that shirt like i was reading this off the shelves like i was just like i, I need to buy that shirt and as i am reaching for it this dude comes up behind me and sort of goes oh is there even a woman thor now and i turn around and I'm like, no, no, you need to understand, like, they've been setting this story up for years, Thor's become unworthy, he left his hammer on the moon, like, we don't even know what made him drop his hammer, but he couldn't put it, pick it up again, and it was really dramatic, and then this mystery woman comes and picks it up, and then, and then, like, we know, but, like, they don't know yet, but, like, it's Jane Foster, and you remember Jane Foster from, like, if you've been ever reading Thor, you know Jane Foster, right. now, now she's Thor, and, and he was like, that makes perfect sense, I'm like, I know, she's a perfect choice to be Thor and he was like do you think somebody here has that like story and I was like yeah I bet you can pick up the first trade like right over there at that booth and he was like I'm gonna go pick up that story and he walked away and he went to go buy it and I was like I just want to do this with my whole life I just want to want to do this with my whole life <laughs> I just want to be the person who says like no have you read it though I want to fight ignorance with comics. I did buy the t-shirt too. I, I still have it. It's real good. I, I, every time I record, I have, I have Jane right nearby. 
Uh, so yeah, I oh, and I I have my I have my first appearance of Jane as Thor. It, it's been read once, you know. But I keep it, but I I don't keep it like to like sell it someday. I keep it as like a I bought this because I I loved it. I wasn't I was I had no idea like comics were worth ridiculous money at that time. Yeah. I'm just like no, I love this, and I want to I want to I want to keep it. Um, but God, is that issue. I'm sorry. I don't do collectible. I don't do comics for big money. Is that issue valuable? I have it. Uh, first appearance. <laughs> I think I believe it is. Okay, you're probably right. Um, I don't. It'll I. Stay It'll stay in the collection. It's fine. I read. Yeah. It. I, I mean, and like, um, yeah. It's whatever. I'm not a collector at all. Um, uh-huh. but I I do have a few, a few issues where I'm like, I wonder what this is worth. Yeah. Um, I'll never get rid of it, but I wonder what it's worth. Yeah. Um, but. We come to the end of this story, and I will say one thing about uh, Fraser Irving's art in this, um, the flashbacks. I loved his landscapes and his settings. I didn't really love his people. Like, his, his people were kind of jarring to me, but like his big, there's one panel um, in the middle where it's just a big sweeping landscape of Asgard. No words. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is the desktop wallpaper on my computer. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I really loved the art. Uh, wasn't really that big of a fan of his people, um, but I, I did love the style a lot more than the the first flashback of the of the issues we talked about tonight. Who is it? Who colors this? Oh, Frank Martin colors it. Well, that's old school. That's lovely. Okay. Um, yeah, like it's, I agree. I mean, I think the faces specifically are what are what you would gently call highly referenced. Yeah. Um, they're, they're very like hyper realistic in a way that's kind of odd. Um, yeah, especially uh, young Thor. The it's young weird. Th- it's, it's like, okay, um, the quicker I can read this and scroll past it, the better, because <laughs> that'll but, haunt me. But the room is very beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah everything around it is great <laughs> and definitely won't give me nightmares, but... <laughs> yeah, yep. But and, that's, at, and that's it. That's the end of our, that's the end of our episode. So, uh, so I usually ask this question at the end, Katie, just to make sure that we've covered everything that you were uh, thinking and, and feeling about these issues. Was there anything from this collection of issues that we didn't talk about as much as you wanted to talk about, or if there's something that we omitted that you feel like listeners could really benefit from Mm. or, or did we throw the final punch and and nail it? Um, I, there was a lot of really, really sharp dialogue in here of the sort of like, I don't know, chuckle when you read it sort of dialogue. <laughs> and I am so for it, but I really like the moment when Oubliette says, uh, Thor says, your bullets cannot harm me. And she replies, what do I care? I'm not a Thor villain. Um, yeah, that was a really good one. I'm not, I'm not here not to Thor shoot villain. you. I'm not a Thor villain. I'm- so just like breaking that, breaking the subtle like fourth wall. I love uh, it. It pleases me. Fantastic. And I honestly, I'll, I'll go back to it. I just, anything with Silver Samurai, I will take. Um, him being called the Power Ranger was so great. Um, anything, really anything Roz does in that Kat Dennings voice, I'm I'm really just here for. <laughs> so good. Um, 
Also, but, and all of those, we mentioned them, but all of those glass breaking feeling panels, it's just, it's great. I really, I was happy when you reached out because I really like the opportunity to go back and reread this that I haven't read since it was released. And I will admit that I actually just read a whole bunch more. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Then job mission accomplished. <laughs> right. No, that's definitely, you know, I can't just read the seven issues you gave me to read. So yeah. I, yeah, I gotta read everything before it and then after it. Ah, yeah. So um yeah, we are gonna wind down our chat. And I just wanted to let listeners know that Katie's actually gonna be coming back for a bonus episode that we're gonna be doing for Pride Month, where we're gonna talk to her about um really just you know what the world of comics uh as an inclusive community looks like what she sees in that and as a, a business owner who has part of her mission as being inclusive to everybody like what that means to her so if you're wanting to hear more uh about katie and her purpose and her mission be sure to check out our bonus episode that we're releasing very very soon and uh, we're also going to have Mackenzie lee on that episode as well kind of a uh cut together kind of pieces of the conversation and i'm sure you're going to enjoy it but katie is there anything that listeners can uh need to know about you or the ways they can follow books with pictures um really the last few minutes are, are, are yours yeah so follow us on our social media for sure our social media is run by a genius staff member named kitty and it is fabulous uh, it is books like more than one book the letter w pictures like more than one picture everywhere so okay. um and if you want to follow our eugene store that's the same books w pictures eug okay uh, that'll and that'll get you to our eugene store which is also fabulous run by uh, my business partner andrea gilroy who literally has a phd in comics and what uh, yeah i know it's where do you get that university of oregon oh um, man i gotta move to oregon yeah we don't got anything like that out in Nebraska. <laughs> uh, Professor Ben Saunders runs a really good comic studies program at the U of O in Eugene. I got to um, think about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, follow us on social media. Uh, we also do put out a real good newsletter. The best way to get that is to email me directly at bookswpictures at gmail.com. We'll put you on the mailing list. Uh, you can find us at our website, which is all of the words bookswithpictures.com. Uh, and there you can get to our high tech Google Forms, which let you place orders with us from anywhere in the country um, so if you want to place your book orders with us you're very welcome to and we will ship them to you um, and if you're in portland you should definitely come see us we're in southeast portland at the southwest corner of beautiful lads edition um 1401 southeast division street is our address and you should come visit us the roses are blooming fabulous i i hear i hear the roses are pretty nice in portland they're real good we have <laughs> so that is gonna do it for today's episode everybody thank you for uh checking out the show today i hope that you've been enjoying this this hot streak of shows we've been on lately uh katie's uh, katie's conversation was something i was looking forward to so much we've had so many great conversations with so many great people and it's just fun to have these uh, uh, 
fun conversations yeah about comics but also just about the medium and what it means to us i really really appreciate this time that you've taken to listen to the show if you want to check out uh just us as a show go and uh, follow us at mighty thor podcast on instagram that is where i am most active and be sure to give a rating and review i haven't really pushed ratings or reviews in a long time but if you're new to the show be sure to check it check that out give us a five star write us a review um tell us what you liked tell us what you didn't like um we would love to hear from you in that way everybody next week we've got another great show for you we're gonna be pumping out some fantastic bonus episodes this month for pride month and for the lead up to love and thunder so yeah we've got a movie we have a movie in weeks everybody this is what the show was originally started to build up to so we gotta get we gotta get all of our energy behind the lead up to this movie Hopefully you've watched the trailer like a thousand times and everybody until we see you next time aboard the rainbow bridge, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, wherever you're at in the nine realms, remember to stay worthy.